The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Well, good morning, Springs Church. Welcome to you all in the name of Jesus Christ this morning. Welcome everybody tuning in online as well. Welcome, and we're glad that you're with us. Visitors, seems like there's plenty of you this morning. We're glad that you're with us as well. We're excited that you're here, and we hope you'll fill out a visitor card in the lobby if you can so we can stay in touch with you. There's also a digital version that you can find by scanning the QR code on your Sunday sheet, uh, but we're really honored by your presence this morning. Grateful that you joined us this morning. And I want to invite you to join us next Sunday as well, March 6th, as we we begin a brand new sermon series here at the Springs called Your Story, Scripture and the Mission of God. So we're going to be spending actually the better part of the spring here walking through the story of the Bible, the story of God's mission and good news, and hopefully finding our place within that, finding that when we see God's story, we recognize it as our story and even as individuals, your story. So I hope you'll be here next Sunday morning for that. And then I hope you'll go get some lunch, maybe take a nap and come back because at 5.30 next Sunday, March 6th, we've got a panel here on God and science. And I'm really, really excited for this forum. We're going to have some fantastic panelists that are going to be here. Our very own Dr. Amanda Nichols is going to be here. Dr. Jim Baird from OC and a couple of other guys are going to join us. And we're going to talk about the relationship between God, Christian faith, and modern science. So I hope you'll make a plan to be here. We've got child care provided. That's 5.30 next Sunday evening, March 6th. So I hope you'll make a plan to join us. Today's Mission Sunday, and we are capping off what's been a wonderful month here at the Springs, Missions Month. I always look forward to February, and it's special this year because we're in a year, an entire year focused on Go. But we've heard from Jim Dvorak, we've heard from Dan Bouchelle last week, we heard from Lanny Tucker And now this morning, I'm excited to spend a little time with you in Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38, as we finish out Missions Month. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. God, be with us this morning. Be with your people around the world. Be with all of humankind around the world this morning. Be with the harassed and the helpless. Be with Ukraine. Lord, bring your peace to this earth. Jesus, we pray 
laborers would go out into the harvest and do the work of peacemaking. Jesus, we pray for your kingdom to come and will to be done on earth as in heaven. And Lord, we pray that this text would change us this morning, that it would transform our hearts further and further into your image that we might be peacemakers around the world and in our city. Lord, I ask for the gift of preaching, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to be with us and speak to us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's an old English proverb that apparently dates back about 700 years. You've probably heard it. Many hands make light work. Many hands make light work. I think we've experienced that at times in our lives when people have shown up for the work, right? And it made it much easier to do. And we've probably experienced the opposite as well. We've all been a part of service projects that almost no one showed up for. Or maybe you've worked for a company that was severely understaffed or you were prepping a huge meal and had just a couple of cooks. It's hard when there's not enough hands. And on the other hand, it's great when there are. It's great when people show up. It's great when you've got a full crew. There was a few years ago, back when Lara was pregnant with Asher, and we decided, you know what, we're gonna try and move into a little bit bigger place. So we moved into a new house, and fortunately, we had a great crew show up that day to help us move in. And so there was just actually several of you as well were there, and it was wonderful. We had enough just people, carpenter ants, going from the U-Haul to the house over and over again, made really quick work of it. It was, it was wonderful. And we had so many hands that we felt like we could do something that maybe we probably should have called the professionals for, and that was moving a piano. And we decided we're going to move this upright piano not only into our new house, but upstairs in our new house. And not only just upstairs, but the way the house was laid out, we basically had to lift this upright piano over the railing in order to get it up those stairs. Fortunately, we had about maybe eight, nine guys gathered around this upright piano. We get it lifted up. We get it over the railing, actually. And it's at this moment that Jason Henley decides to dive under the piano. And basically, Atlas, the piano, on his back, like some mythical turtle or something, Major self-sacrifice, though. But it really turned up the situation from, like, 5 to 11 because it went from moving a guy's house to, like, you know, baby, mother lifting a car that is trapping her baby kind of energy in the room. Fortunately, we got it up the stairs. Jason's here this morning. He's okay. <laughs> but we were only able to do that because of all the hands we had. That's how we saved Jason's life that day. We did that because we had enough hands. Many hands make light work. They can even make pianos light enough to work with. But it's challenging when there's just not enough people. And that's what we find in our text this morning. In Matthew chapter nine, Jesus is surveying the crowds 
And jumping back in, in verse 35, it says that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he's traveling around. He sees countless crowds and crowds of peoples from city to villages to cities. He sees so much work that needs to be done, kingdom work. And he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. If I asked you to pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, you could do it. I bet most of you who've been around church for most of your lives, if I said, let's pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, come on, we can say the first two words together on the count of three, one, two, three, our Father. The Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. But what about the other Lord's Prayer? Jesus doesn't often tell his disciples what to pray. It happens a few times. It happens in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. It happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it happens here in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus says, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, Pray like this. Pray for this. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. So pray to God that we have enough workers to do the work. In other words, the Lord's other prayer is a prayer for mission. It's a prayer for God's work to be done, for laborers to go out into the harvest. Jesus calls us to pray for mission. And so this morning, before we really put our money where our mouth is, take up this missions offering at the end of church, be able to send out people for the next year, before we do that, I want to talk about missions and prayer. I want to look at three different ways that prayer informs mission this morning. And so the first way that prayer informs mission is simply this. Missionaries are an answer to prayer. Missionaries are an answer to prayer. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest and thank God he's done it. Thank God he has actually answered that prayer. Missionaries are an answer to prayer and we have so many of those missionaries who've gone out from these very chairs who've gone out from this very sending church. People just down the street, people across oceans, people in their daily lives going on missions, but so many have gone out from this church, and I'm grateful for the people who have chosen to be laborers in the harvest. Paul and Suzanne Whitmire are an answer to prayer. Paul and Carol Brazel are an answer to prayer. Jamie Boyles is an answer to prayer. 
Brett and Kelly Shrek are an answer to prayer. Don and Cindy Rorcassie are an answer to prayer. Amen, church? Amen. And we could go on and on. We could talk about retired missionaries, Brian and Holly Hickson. We could talk about people we've supported in the past, about Amanda Madrid. We could talk about the Pro Tem projects that we've been able to support this year, Joel and Kristen Osborne, Larry and Kathy Bowles, Mitt and Maya Vickerman. Thank God for the missionaries who have answered Jesus' prayer for laborers to go into the harvest. So how else does prayer inform mission? Well, not only are missionaries an answer to prayer, but in some ways prayer is an answer to mission because prayer fuels mission, right? Prayer fuels mission. That's precisely what Jesus wants us to do when we see a need, pray for it. Pray for God to send out laborers into the harvest. Prayer is what energizes our efforts. It's what directs our energy at the work of God's kingdom in the world. Prayer fuels mission because prayer leads to action. Right? St. Isaac of Nineveh in the 7th century, he put it this way. He said, prayer corresponds directly with way of life. Prayer corresponds with way of life. The desire of everyone is known by his works. The things he cares about, he will ask for in prayer. And the things he prays for, he will diligently demonstrate with deeds. In other words, if you care about it, you'll pray about it. And if you pray about it, you'll do something about it. If you pray about it, you'll care about it. Right? It's this cycle of caring and praying and doing and caring and praying and doing and on and on and on. Prayer awakens us to what God needs to be done in the world. Prayer awakens us to what we need to care about. It it makes us attentive to that need. And it calls us to jump in and do something about it. I think in our context, Christians have sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly gotten a bit of a reputation for being more about lip service than about service, right? I think sometimes rightly, sometimes wrongly, people have this image of Christians just kind of sitting in front of their computers typing out thoughts and prayers whenever something happens in the world, whenever something goes down in someone's life, thoughts and prayers, That might be true for some Christians. We've probably fallen into that at times, all of us. There's also Christians who are very much on the ground, not just doing lip service, but service. And what I wanna say is that we don't need less than thoughts and prayers. We need more than thoughts and prayers. Right? We don't need less than prayer ever. We need more than prayer. We need not just thoughts and prayers, we need prayers and actions. Right? Prayers and actions. Prayer that awakens us, that gives us a desire to actually contribute to God's kingdom in the world, to actually put flesh on those words that we speak. Prayer calls us out of these chairs and into the world to do God's good work. Prayer makes us aware of what needs to be done. It makes us attentive it makes us awake. 
right? Have you ever been the person that offers to help right at the exact moment help is no longer needed? I've been that guy. I just heard an amen from Laura or a laugh. We've been that person though, haven't we? I know I have. You're sitting on the couch and either consciously or unconsciously, you don't hear that work that's going on, right? Sometimes we maybe do hear it and we just choose to ignore it. Sometimes we hear it or don't hear it because we're not awake to it. We're just not attentive, right? We've not woken up to what needs to be done. We haven't heard the clanging of the work that is going on. We haven't heard the the swinging of the hammers outside at the fence. Prayer wakes us up to that. Prayer wakes us up to the harvest. It wakes us up to where God needs laborers. It wakes us up to the work that needs to be done in the world. And, And really, if you want an example of that, look no further than the staff at this church. I'm really proud of the staff at this church because if you want to know what needs to be done in this church, if you want to know what the needs are, if you want to know who's hurting, ask somebody on staff. They know because we're praying about it every week. We're we're talking about what needs to be done. We're talking about who's hurting. We're talking about the kingdom work that needs to be done here in this church and beyond. Prayer wakes us up. It, it makes us attentive to how we can serve the kingdom of God on earth. Missionaries are an answer to prayer. Prayer fuels mission. And prayer also humbles us for mission. That's the third way that prayer informs mission this morning. Prayer humbles us. It gives us the posture for mission right? The interesting thing about getting on your knees before God is you can no longer think that you're a God. Once you get on your knees before the creator and sustainer of the universe, you can't believe that you run the universe anymore. Prayer humbles us to see who's in charge. It humbles us to see that we've been called. It humbles us to see the kind of work that needs to be done, a posture of open hands, a posture of open ears, readiness and willingness to answer God's call for whatever kind of service he calls us to. I've been a Christian my entire life and I went on mission in my hometown growing up all the time, but I never really went on a foreign mission trip until later on in life, probably in my 20s the first time. And the first real significant one was in 2014 when Lara and I got to go see the work that her parents had been doing with refugees from the Middle East, with uh, Muslims from the Middle East in Athens, Greece. And it was an amazing trip. It, it was, it was life-changing to get to go and and serve at this church camp and lead worship and be involved in Bible studies. And of course, one of the best parts about going is is meeting people, and not just the people that you're trying to serve, but even the people you're serving with. And one of my favorite people that I got to meet on that mission trip was a guy named Robert Krellen. And Robert Krellen was a British guy, great guy, just wonderful accent. I remember we were talking about the Protestant Reformation, he said, yeah, it's interesting that the Reformation was really kind of a storm in a teacup. 
I'm like, that's the most British thing I've ever heard. But Robert was a, an amazing guy, brilliant, spoke probably a dozen languages, and he had a PhD from Cambridge, like the University of Universities. He could have been anywhere, you know? He could have been in some ivory tower doing some important work, but guess who was the best cleaner of outhouses at that church camp? Robert. Robert was an incredible servant, humble guy, amazing, amazing man of God because Robert is a man of prayer. Robert had been humbled for the mission by his prayers. Prayer humbles us for the mission. It, it frees us from our delusions of grandeur and self-importance. It, it frees us from the, the trappings of this throwaway 15 seconds of fame, TikTokified life. Prayer humbles us for the work that God needs to be done around the world. You can't get halfway around the world. You can't get halfway down the street to do any kind of mission until you've been on your knees. And that's the place from which God is gonna call us to his mission in the world. Towards the end of his book, Culture Making, Andy Crouch talks about two of the most important women at the end of the 20th century who died within a week of each other. Maybe some of you have heard about this. Andy says that within a week of each other, Princess Diana died, and then Mother Teresa died. And he presents those two women as an interesting contrast because here's Princess Diana, someone that, that none of us could ever be, right? Someone so magnetic that, that we just can't achieve that aside from the whole royal family thing. And yet here's Mother Teresa, this Albanian nun who goes to work in the slums of India with poor people in Calcutta. And Crouch says, you know, none of us can ever be a prince, a princess, a Diana. But he's, none of us can take her place. But almost anyone can take the place of Mother Teresa. There's nothing materially separating us from going to do what Mother Teresa did beyond a decision. And yet so many of us try to be the Dianas, the prince, the princesses, and so few of us try to be saints. The laborers are few. And if we're gonna have the laborers that the kingdom of God needs, it's going to begin from a posture of prayer. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. These are the final words of Matthew chapter nine. And the interesting thing is that at the end of Matthew chapter nine, Jesus says, pray for more laborers. Pray for missionaries. And when you turn the page to Matthew chapter 10, it's these apostles that Jesus has been telling pray for missionaries who find out that they're the missionaries they're supposed to pray for. 
He says, pray for missionaries to the apostles. And in the next chapter, they find out they're the answer to the prayer. Springs, I wanna challenge us this morning to believe and know that we are the answer to the Lord's other prayer. We're what God has. We're the answer. We are the answer to the prayer for laborers in the vineyard, laborers in the harvest. Whether it's here at home, whether it's across the world, whether it's down in Oklahoma City, we are the answer to Jesus' prayer for more workers in the kingdom, all of us. When this church, when this mission team put together a manifesto for missions at this church in 2016, the very first two-worded vision value is everyone participates. Everyone participates. That's us. That's all of us. Right? Missions is not a select cast up on a stage while the rest of us sit there like theater goers. Missions is everyone participates. Everyone sends. Everyone goes. It's time for us to get up off the couch, to hear the work that's being done, and to join in. It's time for us to get up off the couch, to be awakened by prayer, to be humbled by prayer, to go out into the world and share the love of Christ with our neighbors. Church, it's time for us to rise up. Let's stand, Springs Church. It's time for us to rise to the occasion. It's time for us to send out into the world. It's time for us to go and be the answer to Jesus' prayer, to join the work that the Lord of the harvest is doing. Let's praise him right now, the Lord of the harvest, Jesus Christ.